Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 91, Netflix Chatter. Hi, I'm Neil. One topic that has been getting an increasing amount of attention has been Apple's content strategy. A few months ago, back in episode 79, Apple's Trojan Horse into Hollywood, we discussed my theory behind Apple Studios. So this involves Apple building its own Hollywood arm focused on original video and music content. Now, a few years earlier, this topic would be laughable. Apple is doing its own original video programming. What? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we have Netflix and Amazon. They're changing things. And I think Apple has to respond. In recent weeks, this discussion around Apple and content, it's changed. And that's because Apple reported earnings. And during their conference call, management said something that was interesting. They have a goal of doubling the service business within four years. That's a very aggressive goal. And what this has done is change the discussion, change the narrative between Apple and Netflix. Calls for Apple to buy Netflix are getting louder. An increasing number of people look at Netflix as the way for Apple to build its services business. You're seeing more and more questions should Apple buy Netflix? Will Apple buy Netflix? I think those questions are misplaced. A more valuable question is, does Apple need to buy Netflix to accomplish its goals? That's going to be today's focus. We're actually going to start the discussion by looking at how Apple approached music streaming. I think there are a number of lessons we can take from their approach with music and actually apply it to video. We then will go through all of the reasons people are giving for Apple to buy Netflix. We're going to see how much logic is there. Is there anything here that's valid? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> and then at the end of the episode, we're going to talk about how does Apple do this in the future? How does Apple go forward with video content? You listen to management talk publicly and they sort of give these wishy-washy answers. Well, we don't know where we're going to be in a couple years. I want to talk a little bit about that at the end of the episode. So the best place to begin is to actually go back a few years. 2014. Apple had a growing problem on its hands. There is a new startup on the scene. Well, actually, this company was around for a number of years. But there was a startup that was causing people to, well, pay attention. Spotify. The music streaming startup had amassed 40 million subscribers by doing something which I think Apple was increasingly getting nervous by. They were giving music away for free. And the reason they were doing that was this free music was a carrot for people to actually pay up and subscribe to music streaming. 10 million people went after that carrot. So you had a startup with 10 million people paying for music streaming. Now, back in 2014, Apple's paid music download empire, known as iTunes, was actually doing well. We had revenue increasing year over year. You also had Apple coming out of iTunes radio. Yet there was an issue. Apple did not have an answer to music streaming. And if you have Spotify grabbing 40 million people, well, what's going to happen in a few years? Apple had a few options at its disposal. At the end of 2013, 
the company had $147 billion of cash in the balance sheet. Apple could have bought Spotify. $15 billion would have done it. Spotify would have been overvalued. There were rumors that Google was sort of sniffing around this as well in the $10 to $15 billion range. Other journalists kind of go against that, say, nah, that, 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 nothing ever really happened. I think $15 billion, though, it would have got Spotify to say, okay, you can acquire us. By acquiring Spotify, Apple would have got its hands on an entirely new business model for content. That's a good thing for the future. And of course, it would have solved its music streaming service problem overnight. Spotify was a successful service in terms of getting users to sign on. But instead of buying Spotify, Apple bought Beats for $3 billion. This was in 2014. Three years later, I think a lot of people are still unsure of what to make of that acquisition. Beats was a headphones company. It had a questionable balance sheet. Its music streaming business really wasn't anything. They had just acquired the assets for that two years earlier. So Beats was not a traditional Apple acquisition target when you looked at it pretty quickly. If you're Apple and you want a music streaming service, it would seem like the path went through Spotify, not Beats. What was going on here? I don't think Apple was actually looking to buy just a music streaming service. Instead, Apple management was looking for a long-term vision for content. How should Apple approach content? There was one person selling that vision. It was Beats co-founder Jimmy Iovine. In fact, he's been doing this for over a decade. He was trying to sell Apple this vision when he was co-founder of Interscope Records in the early 2000s. But something changed in 2014. Spotify was gaining power. Cracks were beginning to appear at the edges of the iTunes empire. Apple was getting nervous. They bought into Iovine's vision. So it's pretty interesting. Instead of buying Spotify, they bought Jimmy Iovine. Now this brings up the discussion of M&A. Apple has a very particular M&A strategy. Apple uses M&A as a tool to fill holes in product strategy. So they use M&A to buy technology and buy teams of people behind that technology. The goal here is to keep the product above all else. Now with that strategy, Apple has actually been a very active acquirer over the years. In recent years, they've been buying about 15 to 20 smaller companies every year. In some cases, we don't find out about these deals until years later. So a lot of them, they're pretty small. Well, when Apple looked at its music strategy in 2014, the product hole didn't actually just involve streaming technology. If that was the case, Apple could just buy Spotify. It would have plugged up that hole pretty quickly. Instead, Apple management saw the product hole as related to talent, ideas, vision. They were looking for those items in terms of music. Apple wanted fresh connections and relationships with the music industry. Those are items Spotify did not have. Management was looking for a way to strengthen its relationship with Hollywood, push the music industry forward. Because again, look at what Spotify was doing. 40 million people, well, 30 million of them were getting music for free. Is that sustainable? A lot of people in the music industry didn't think so. 
Apple wanted to play off of that. And of course, Apple wanted to strengthen the iOS ecosystem. I do think content is a very important part of that. So Jimmy Iovine, the Beats team, including many former music industry executives, Larry Jackson is, is a prime example of that. Those were the types of relationships Apple was chasing in music streaming. That's why Apple bought Beats and not Spotify. Now, this raises a obvious question. Has this actually worked out in Apple's favor? Would Apple have done better just buying Spotify? Well, we do have a couple numbers here. We can look at how Apple Music is doing. Apple Music now has more than 20 million paying subscribers. That's just in about 17, 18 months. That's not too bad. I actually think Apple management would be pleased with that number. Look at how Apple gives very consistent updates to that number. I think that's a sign that they like those numbers. They like the growth. Apple has unofficially positioned its goal for Apple Music as 100 million paying subscribers. It's a big number. When you look at the number of people actually consuming music, it's doable. I actually think that's attainable. Now, of course, Apple Music has benefited from an extensive marketing campaign. It's benefited because Apple owns the iOS platform. Those are things, those are reasons for why Apple actually does certain services. There are benefits in Apple doing it themselves. Turning to Spotify, it becomes a little bit trickier to judge how Spotify has done since 2014. When you look at subscriber growth, paid subscriber growth, for Spotify, it actually looks pretty decent. It's remained steady since following Apple Music's launch. Over at AboveAvalon.com, I have an exhibit that shows the change in paid users between Apple Music and Spotify. And what I did was I measured it months after launch. I think it really does a great job at showing the different trajectories between the two services. There's a problem, though. With Spotify, they've been moving the goalposts when it comes to paid subscribers. That term, paid subscriber, it's lost all of its meaning. Spotify has moved deep into promotions, bundling. I recently saw news, you can get Spotify for free if you sign up to be a New York Times subscriber. Well, that really does water down the term paid subscriber. At the same time, Spotify's disclosures have become much more sporadic. It's becoming hard to figure out what are they doing here in terms of paid users. And of course, when you talk about music streaming, you can't ignore the long-term implication from Spotify still not quite having a long-term sustainable business model. There are a lot of questions here as to what will happen to Spotify from a business perspective, from a financial perspective. It's not clear when we are going to get those answers. Is this a company moving towards an IPO? It seems like every time this discussion comes up, it's Spotify's pushing back the IPO a little bit more. What this has done is place a shroud of mystery over the music streaming space. Now, that's not slowing down Apple. They're moving quickly with Apple Music. Now they're getting into putting some music-related content, video content, Planet of the Apps, Carpool Karaoke, the series. We'll have a little bit more to say about those series in a few minutes. So it doesn't seem like Apple's efforts with Apple Music have been jeopardized by not buying Spotify. But I still think there are questions long-term as to, well, what happens between these two going forward? Will Apple actually be able to hit its unofficial goal 
of hitting 100 million users? Or would Spotify pose a challenge? At this point, though, I don't think Apple looks at its strategy for music streaming and has too many regrets. That's very important when we start to look at video streaming. Now, there are key differences between music streaming and video streaming. The industries are very different. Players are different. Yeah, I do think there are similarities between how Apple views its place within the content world. Turning to Netflix, clearly, this is a company that is in a much stronger position than Spotify. 89 million paying subscribers. I think it's safe to say if you go out to a lot of those 89 million people, they will look at their Netflix subscription as a great value. Netflix has a lot of interesting and entertaining content for people at a low price. I was recently looking at my cable bill. It's up to something like $90 per month. Basic cable, $90 per month. The regulatory fees for things I don't even know, $10 a month. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. You have Netflix, great series, great shows, $10 per month. There's a lot I could say about the subscription business. With Above Avalon, I have memberships. So I have monthly subscribers and I have annual subscribers. And the business model works very well for me in terms of finding sustainability. And that's crucial. I want to be able to do what I do today for a very long time. And subscriptions make that possible. When you look at music streaming and video streaming, of course, those have different economics versus what I'm doing. However, I think all of these subscription businesses, they actually have something in common. And it's about selling an experience to the person subscribing. And I think that is what's so attractive with these businesses. That's why Spotify has done so well. That's why Netflix is doing so well. It's a different kind of experience that we just couldn't get from large cable bundles anymore. And I think that's going to continue going forward. I think Netflix is going to do extremely well in terms of coming up with original content. Again, $10 per month, it really is a great deal. And I think one reason why we see increasing number of calls for Apple to buy Netflix is people like Netflix. It's a very similar thing to what is going on between Apple and Tesla. You have a lot of people who believe in what Tesla is trying to do. They believe in Elon Musk's vision. And they want Apple to sort of help sustain that vision. And I do think, though, at a certain point, we need to take a step back and not just rush into these suggestions. And so when you take a closer look at the argument that Apple needs to buy or should buy Netflix, there's a couple reasons that are always put forth. And I see these reasons come up time and time again. There's three. What we're going to do is go through the logic behind Apple buying Netflix. Again, this is what people say. Well, then at the end, after going over the three, we'll take apart each and see what's going on here. The first reason, I think this is the primary reason. By owning Netflix, Apple management will be well on its way of reaching its goal of doubling the services business within four years. If you look at Netflix right now, 89 million people, I think it's safe to say they're going to get 100 million people. 100 million Netflix customers paying on average $10 per month. You're talking about pretty close to $12 billion per year stream of subscription revenue. That would be about 40% of Apple's current annual services revenue. That's a pretty big chunk. Now, compared to Apple as a whole, when you take into account iPhone revenue, it's still not a big number. However, 
in terms of the services business, Netflix would certainly add quite a bit. The second reason that people give for why Apple should buy Netflix, it's a different business model. So by Apple buying into a subscription revenue, it would help smooth the lumpiness found with what people say is a hardware-centric business model. Some quarters, you're going to have great growth in terms of iPhone, iPad sales. Some quarters, not so hot growth. Apple needs to come out with new hardware products to sustain growth. With Netflix, you would have this consistent stream of subscription revenue. And by the way, that's one reason why Wall Street, I think, loves the idea of Apple buying Netflix. If we go out five years, good luck trying to model Apple Watch revenue. Wall Street's having a hard time figuring out Apple Watch revenue three months from now. How are we going to model Apple Watch revenue five years? Now, of course, I have my ways. I have my theory as to what's going to happen, but everyone's different. Let's be honest. There's a lot of change that's going on in the risk wearable space. So you're going to see those numbers, those estimates, they're going to be fluctuating. Yeah, if you look at a revenue stream like Netflix, the consistency investors will love. Year in and year out, you can probably just say, well, let's grow it 10% per year. You got to have a lot of conviction that in five years, you have a pretty good grasp on how that revenue stream is going to trend. That's why Wall Street, they love those types of revenue streams. Whereas with hardware-centric business models, ugh, Wall Street, just, they're, they're not liking it. You look at Fitbit, look at GoPro. That's why it's interesting that Snap, they want to be known as a camera company. On Wall Street, I don't think they want to be known as a camera company in terms of hardware. Wall Street's not going to have anything to do with that. So if Apple bought Netflix, they have a different business model, involves subscription services. Wall Street likes that. Consistent revenue streams. Sounds all good. The third reason that is often put forth in support of Apple acquiring Netflix has to do with original content. Netflix would give Apple a shot in the arm when it comes to original content programming. So instead of Apple doing Apple Studios and spending years building up something from the ground up, Apple would have basically thousands of hours of original content pretty quickly. You're talking about Apple being in a position where they're producing almost as much original video content as ESPN. Netflix would be a content play. Pretty simple. So how much of this makes sense? Is there logic behind Apple buying Netflix? Upon closer examination, I think calls that Apple should buy Netflix, they're misplaced. I don't think they take into account how Apple actually views the world. I think most of the logic assumes that Apple's hardware-centric revenue model is flawed or is in trouble and cannot continue forward. That's why I think you see the people who are the most vocal in Apple buying Netflix, they tend to be the most pessimistic in terms of Apple's current business model. Let's take a few minutes and go through the reasons and, and see what, what's, what's happening here. Revenue. I feel very strongly about this. Apple doesn't and shouldn't use M&A to directly acquire revenue streams. When you look at what Apple did with Beats, they didn't acquire the company to get their hands on the revenue-generating headphone business. They bought Jimmy Ivey. They bought his music vision. A headphones business just happened to be attached to that vision. 
if Apple uses M&A as a tool to grow revenue, their effort to place the product above all else, it's put into jeopardy. I really do think the day that Apple looks at M&A as a way of growing the financial part of Apple, improving revenue growth, that's the day that Apple becomes lost. That is not a recipe for success. Now, this explains why Apple doesn't go out and acquire large companies. You see this, well, Apple should buy Disney, Time Warner, all of these companies. It's not the price. It's very important. It's not the price. Apple doesn't care about price. If they really think a company will help Apple's product line, they're going to buy it. But the reason these companies have such large price tags is they're generating a lot of revenue. They have long-term businesses. And it would be extremely difficult for Apple to take that and actually try to improve the current product line. In a way, you buy a large company, it's hard not to buy it because of the revenue streams. And so that's why I think when you look at Apple M&A, it's not meant to directly boost revenue. It's meant to boost the product. And Apple is very confident that if you come out with great products, the revenue follows. you got to focus on the product, not the revenue. The second item, a different business model. Here's the thing. People look at Apple's business model as a hardware-centric model. That's not true. Apple sells high-margin hardware supported by software and services. You can't just look at it from a hardware perspective. That's why I like to say that Apple is in the business of coming up with and selling experiences. When you have these calls for Apple to buy Netflix because it's subscription services, and maybe Apple can extend that out to its entire business down the road. I think on paper, that sounds really intriguing, really interesting. But I think in reality, there's not a whole lot there at this point. And even if we go out five to 10 years, and Apple has a transportation initiative, they have a platform, they have a product that you can use. Maybe we don't buy or own that product. But I don't think that means that the only alternative is to subscribe to that product every month. It could just simply be that the way we use and pay for that product is different. And then, of course, you have the much broader point, even if Apple wants to embrace a different business model in the future. And I think that's actually likely if you're entering a new industry like the auto industry. Why would Apple need Netflix? It seems like what happens here is people say, Apple should buy Netflix. And oh, yeah, Netflix comes with a different business model. Apple can use that and figure out something to do with its products. It seems like it's secondary. And so I just don't think there's enough here. It it just doesn't seem like it's a logical explanation for why Apple should actually buy Netflix. The third item, original content. There is no evidence to suggest Apple wants to go out and buy large portfolios of video content. We could go even further and say the value in this is original content, not legacy content. And so the idea of Apple going out and buying Time Warner's content portfolio, Viacom, Disney, that doesn't seem realistic at all. And then when you look at original content, I like to describe it as original content initiatives found at tech companies masquerading as media companies. That's another way of saying Netflix and Amazon. Well, when you look at original content, I think this is where it pays to go back to how Apple approached music streaming. I think Apple's more interested in buying great ideas behind content and not necessarily thousands of hours of original content. That strategy seems and feels very me too. 
Apple will do it. There's another company that will have their own portfolio of original content. It doesn't seem like that is the best way forward for Apple. In essence, what's going on here is Netflix is very similar to Spotify. Apple could go out, acquire Netflix, and become the leader in paid video streaming overnight. But there's no evidence that Apple actually wants to do that. And instead, I think Apple is looking to do something different. I think Apple is searching for another Jimmy Ivey, and this time for video content. And for all we know, maybe Jimmy Iovine is that person. Maybe his broader vision can apply to video and not just stick with music. But Apple is looking for new connections, new relationships with Hollywood. And I also think that there is a similarity between music streaming and video streaming when it comes to sustainable business models. Netflix is spending quite a bit on original video content, and I do think the ramification of that is their monthly fee will have to go up. I'm not one who looks at that as a doomsday scenario. As we said earlier, I think there's a lot of value there, and I think Netflix will be able to raise the price, and the vast majority of their users will accept that price. I think they'll find there's still a lot of value there. Nevertheless, it does introduce a little bit of unknown into the situation. And so very similar to how Spotify's long-term sustainability is up for question. I think Spotify is in a much weaker position than Netflix, just given the, the different economics around the music streaming. With Netflix, it's still not clear what this company is going to look like financially five, 10 years from now. And I think that has to play into a role with how Apple's viewing its relationship with Hollywood. Is there a different way forward for a company to work with content creators to not be like a Netflix 2.0, but be something else? I think that's what Apple's really trying to do. Now, what is one way of accomplishing this? Well, instead of going out and buying Netflix, I think Apple's content goals have a much better chance of being reached if Apple goes out and works with a smaller Hollywood production company. If you look at one of the recent reports from the Financial Times, Apple was reportedly interested in Imagine Entertainment. They apparently discussed a number of different options. Both Tim Cook and Andy Q were involved. That seems to tell me this is a pretty serious deal. I mean, this was not something that was just kind of being tossed around. I think Apple was really trying to kick the tires here. If you're not familiar with Imagine Entertainment, it is a Hollywood production company. It was founded by Ron Howard and Brian Grazier. I don't think the takeaway from those talks between Apple and Imagine Entertainment had to do with the existing content portfolio or legacy content. I think it had to do with bringing people on board that had great ideas. In the piece over at AboveAvalon.com, I also listed another scenario that I think would make much more sense for Apple versus acquiring Netflix. And that is if Apple sat down with a entertainer, a producer such as Oprah, and Apple would be looking to discuss the possibility of working together on a few big ideas. Now, you could, of course, replace Oprah with a number of different people. Some of you may be thinking, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense. You work with Oprah on a few big things. How does that possibly compare to Netflix doing a thousand hours of original content programming? It seems like Apple just doesn't have any chance of competing. The thing is, Apple would be looking to compete on different terms. So Apple's not going to compete 
based on a number of hours of original content, I don't think that's what Apple wants to get involved in. I really don't. I don't think they want to move down that path of, well, we're trying to beat Netflix and Amazon and come up with 2,000 hours of original content programming. I don't see that as the best way forward. Instead, what you're trying to do is stand out from the pack in video streaming. And I think one way of doing that is you work with people on ideas that are different. They're ideas that you may not see everywhere. A lot of what we're talking about here is very similar to what we discussed back in October with Apple Studios. So Apple would come up with its own Hollywood arm, and it would be positioned uniquely within organizational structure. So you have some independency. I think that's needed, but it won't be completely cut out of Apple. So instead of going out and buying Netflix and having that be your Apple Studios, Apple can go out and work with smaller Hollywood production companies. Apple already has some of this in place of Apple Music. They could expand that into video. So there are some ways that Apple can do this without needing to buy an existing huge portfolio of legacy content or original content. This takes us to the big picture. Over at AboveAvalon.com, the title of this week's article is Apple Doesn't Need to Buy Netflix. And I chose that title for a very specific reason. I didn't go, Apple shouldn't buy Netflix or Apple won't buy Netflix. I went with Apple doesn't need to buy Netflix. And that's because owning Netflix is not a requirement for Apple to accomplish its goals in video content. Now that's going to raise a question. Well, what are those goals? I think if we look at what Apple's doing with Apple Music, it's going to provide a number of clues. Eddie Q and Jimmy Iovine, they like to say that they're positioning Apple Music to be all about culture. What does that even mean? I think Apple is referring to relevancy. Apple wants to remain relevant in the entertainment space. They want people to talk about what is going on in Apple Music. Recently, Eddie Q, he compared Apple Music to MTV. And while today that may not seem like the best comparison, because I do think MTV's influence has been hurt by YouTube, Snap, Instagram, and the list goes on. However, if we go back a few years, MTV was a cultural force. And it lasted for decades. And it wasn't just music. It was about video. It was about stuff that had nothing to do with music. I get the impression that's what Apple wants to accomplish with Apple Music. So instead of using a portion of its $230 billion of cash to buy huge content libraries, I think Apple is more interested in acquiring select ideas, ideas that have the potential to go out and extend beyond just video or music content. Instead, it would play a big role in giving Apple relevancy. Back during the late 2000s, Apple held a monopoly on music mindshare, thanks to its iTunes empire. Management wants that mindshare back with Apple Music. And I think this starts to explain some of the unusual arrangements we see with Apple working with Drake, Frank Ocean, Chance the Rapper. These are clues. They represent clues for showing us what is Apple's blueprint for regaining relevancy and music. And now if we look at Apple's decision behind Planet of the Apps, a lot of people are scratching their heads about that show. 
a show about apps doesn't seem to have much in common with a music streaming service. What is going on here? Apple Music has never been about just music. It's about capturing relevancy. Sure, Planet of the Apps, very similar to Shark Tank and The Voice. But look at what the integration will be with iOS. There's going to be an iOS app. There's going to be that the broader integration in terms of how apps that appear on the show will also be featured prominently in the App Store. We may not talk about apps every day like we did a couple years ago, but we still are firmly living in an app world. And I think Apple thinks that this is pretty simple. Maybe Planet of the Apps can get people talking. That's the same goal Apple has in mind with Apple Music. The same thing applies to Carpool Karaoke, the series. Yes, it's based on the idea of karaoke, but judging from the preview, it looks more like a variety show involving entertainers, celebrities. It doesn't look like it's just about music. When you look at Apple in the video content space, they've never had iTunes like Mindshare there. That title went to your traditional broadcast and cable companies. In order for Apple to gain that relevancy in video, I think the company could do two things. The first item is that Apple can continue to be a content distributor, focus on providing access to all of this great third-party content. We have iOS, hundreds of millions of users. There's a lot there that Apple could do. The second item, though, will be in response to Netflix and Amazon gaining power with original video content. I think Apple needs to do something else. They need to do a little bit more. To see what that something else is, we need to look at music streaming. Instead of buying Spotify, Apple bought Jimmy Iovine's vision for regaining relevancy in music. I think the same thing will apply to video. Instead of buying Netflix, Apple translates Jimmy Iovine's music vision into a broader strategy for video. That's going to do it for today's episode. If you enjoy this type of Apple analysis and want more of it throughout the week, I do publish an exclusive daily email all about Apple. I cover everything from strategy and business analysis, financial modeling, to perspective on current news events, earnings reports, and keynotes. The daily email is the cornerstone of Above Avalon membership. In addition to receiving the daily email, members also have the option of joining the Above Avalon team in Slack, where you can communicate with other members, discuss the daily emails. There is also an archive, so you can go back and check out all of the previous daily emails. Just to give you a flavor of some of the topics we talk about in these daily emails, we went over the new iPad Pro ad campaign a few days ago, so I had a number of thoughts and observations regarding that. We discussed Samsung winning a big OLED order from Apple for new iPhones. What does that mean in terms of iPhone sales? We also talked about some of the companies in the risk wearable space. So we went over Fossil Earnings, Garmin Earnings, and Fitbit Earnings. Each one of those companies provides a different perspective on the risk wearables market. So I look at that news, I look at those items from Apple's perspective. How does that impact what I think is Apple's current strategy for Apple Watch? And we talked about a couple other items. It was a pretty busy week. To receive these daily emails and become an Above Avalon member, just head on over to aboveavalon.com, go to the membership page. Sign up is very easy, you can do it on your iPhone. There's two options, it's either $10 per month or $100 per year. 
that will get you access to the daily emails as well as the Above Avalon team in Slack, the archive, priority email access, and a few other privileges. If you enjoy the Above Avalon podcast each week, if you can leave a rating or review for the podcast in iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it. If you listen to this in Overcast, if you could recommend this episode by clicking the little I on the episode and then pressing recommend. I appreciate the support. And of course, for those of you who, if you just think of someone's interest in these podcasts, if you can share it, spread it around, I greatly appreciate the word of mouth. With that, I will conclude today's episode. We will talk to each other next week.